It's 6 p.m. and you are tuned to your community radio station, KVMR-FM Nevada City, KCPC Camino. Today is Monday, October 16th. I'm Kelly Reese and this is your KVMR Evening News. Up ahead on the California Report, Phase 1 of Governor Gavin Newsom's plan to build tiny homes in an effort to curb homelessness. The first 175 are now under construction in the state's capital. Then, updates on a court case many speculate will make its way to the U.S. Supreme Court in today's National Native News. We've got a look at your local news before your weather forecast. And KVMR News Director Claudio Mendoza stops by to give us an overview of the potential fire resiliency and vegetation management sales tax that the Grass Valley City Council is holding a special meeting on tonight around now at 6 p.m. This is the California Report. I'm Madi Bolaños in San Francisco. In March, Governor Newsom announced plans to build 1,200 tiny homes across California in an effort to curb homelessness. Now, seven months later, construction is starting for the first round, 175 tiny homes in Sacramento. As CAP Radio's Kate Wolf reports, these homes will be part of a new wellness campus that city leaders hope will serve as a model for tackling homelessness. Along a major artery in South Sacramento is a 13-acre lot with a two-story rust-colored building, once slated to be a shopping center. Now, WellSpace Health, a local nonprofit with clinics throughout Sacramento, is developing the space. The CEO, Jonathan Porteous, says the lot is similar to the patients the health system serves. Many of the people we serve have been abandoned. Many of them have huge potential, but um, they've not been given the opportunity. In the next few years, WellSpace plans to build a campus with dental services, rehab facilities, prison reentry housing, and a 988 crisis call center. The state wants to open the tiny homes on the lot early next year. Vice Mayor Eric Guerra says tiny homes aren't a long-term solution. They last five to ten years, but they'll be helpful for now. This is a mixture of what can we do immediately, but also what can we build permanently. That's why the back end will start to get built while we already have the immediate tiny home models. He says he thinks residents of Sacramento and California more broadly will start seeing this approach more often. For the California Report, I'm Kate Wolf in Sacramento. Sacramento will place another 175 homes at the state fairgrounds. The rest of the 1,200 homes will be distributed across San Jose, Los Angeles, and San Diego. Support for the California Report comes from Stanford Medicine, comprising its School of Medicine and Adult and Children's Health Systems, working together to advance knowledge and improve lives. StanfordMedicine.org. Paint Care. Now, with more than 850 drop-off sites in California where households and businesses can recycle their leftover paint. More at paintcare.org. And Eric and Wendy Schmidt, whose philanthropy includes Schmidt Ocean Institute, advancing the frontiers of ocean science, exploration, and discovery, on the web at schmidtocean.org. In the Central Valley, climate change is taking a toll on farmworker communities. Extreme heat and wildfire smoke worsen the toxic air, and droughts alternate with flooding. But as KQED's senior immigration editor Taiki Hendricks reports, grassroots initiatives and new state resources could lead to some encouraging solutions. You can put your bag in the back and can you squeeze in. Can we squeeze in? Buenos dias. Driving out of Huron, a small town in southern Fresno County, I'm tagging along in the back of an electric Chevy Bolt as a couple of retired farm workers get a ride to medical appointments in the next town. 
We pass cantaloupe fields and laser-straight rows of almond trees. Beside me is Enrique Contreras. At 61, he can no longer work in the fields. ¿A dónde vamos hoy? A diálisis. Tres veces por semana. Lunes, miércoles y viernes. Contreras says he depends on the ride to get to dialysis three days a week. This free rideshare service is a project of the LEAP Institute, a nonprofit focused on environmental justice for Central Valley farm workers. A state contract covers the cost, and it runs with a fleet of electric vehicles, still a rare sight around here. The driver, Eric Ramirez, says it's one step to help reduce climate change. He nods to the smear of gray-brown smog on the horizon and tells me it's gotten worse. Definitely air quality, number one. The quality of the air has gone significantly uh, down. He's got terrible allergies he never used to have, but he knows others who have it worse. Asthma, uh, valley fever, lung cancer. Dust from the fields and the almond harvest mix in the lungs with pesticides, and summer temperatures, often over 100 degrees, make the pollution worse. Ramirez is the third generation of a farmworker family. But agricultural jobs are getting fewer, and he says the economy needs to diversify. No lo arranquen, este güey no lo arranquen, eh? All right, find the steak, find something. Back in town, I meet Ray Leon, who founded the LEAP Institute and is also the mayor of Huron, population 6,000, with a poverty rate of 40 percent. He pulls a few weeds in LEAP's community garden plot and gives tips to the two young men tending the vegetables. Leon grew up here but went off to UC Berkeley and worked as a community organizer in Fresno. Then he came back to Huron. This here is the uh, community learning garden, where a community could come and learn about how to grow their own food. The ride share, the garden, all these projects focus on environmental health, but also creating green jobs, like the tomato seedlings in the greenhouse, part of a study with UC Davis researchers. We are having a competition between industrial fertilizer and liquid organic fertilizer made and using uh, food waste. If they find the tomatoes grown with the organic fertilizer do better, Leon hopes to scale up production and create employment. Retooling the economy is also top of mind for State Senator Ana Caballero. She predicts thousands of acres of farmland will lie fallow for lack of water, and jobs here in her Central Valley district will dry up. The reason climate change discussions in rural California are important is because we are at risk of leaving people behind. The governor just signed a bill Caballero wrote to ensure state efforts to address extreme heat focus first on places like Huron, using what she calls weatherization on steroids to insulate homes, add solar panels, and cut sky-high energy bills. We wanted to make sure that with limited funds that we started with the communities that had the worst extreme heat. State dollars are also key for the LEAP Institute. Ray Leon's latest initiative would turn a nearby parcel of overgrown government land into a nature preserve, employing Huron residents to build trails and plant trees. It'll be a place where you could bring students, do nature walks, talk about how that benefits uh, you know, the planet, helping in the climate battle. Leon says if these things can happen in Huron, 
maybe they can be a model for what towns like this can do all over the state. For The California Report, I'm Tyke Hendricks in Huron. And that's The California Report for Monday, October 16th. We're a production of KQED Public Radio. I'm your host, Madi Bolaños. Thanks for listening and have a great day. Today's National Native News has updates on a court case that many speculate will make its way to the U.S. Supreme Court. Details ahead. This is National Native News. I'm Jill Freitas from KMBA in Anchorage, Alaska, filling in for Antonia Gonzalez. Last week, the U.S. District Court for the District of Alaska granted the Alaska Federation of Natives motion to intervene in U.S. versus Alaska, the latest case challenging Katie John. AFN President Julie Kitka said, quote, this is a welcomed ruling. AFN has a special place in this litigation dating all the way back to the Alaska Native Claim Settlement Act and Alaska National Interest Lands Conservation Act and culminating most recently in Sturgeon. We'll defend the legal rights of Alaska Natives to engage in subsistence hunting and fishing anytime our ways of life are threatened, end quote. According to AFN, U.S. versus Alaska began in 2021 when the state of Alaska refused to honor U.S. fish and wildlife subsistence management decisions on the Kuskokwim River. AFN goes on to say it increased rapidly in 2022 when the state again refused to abide by federal closures regarding salmon fishing along certain parts of the Yukon-Kuskokwim Delta. In a statement, AFN co-chair Anna Hoffman said, quote, This federal protection for rural Alaskans, secured by Alaska Native leaders decades ago, is the source of our nourishment physically, emotionally, culturally, and spiritually. This is our way of life. It is our existence. End quote. AFN predicts that U.S. versus Alaska will make its way to the U.S. Supreme Court. Last week, you heard about the Pyramid Lake Paiute tribe's efforts to recover an endangered fish by modifying a 100-year-old diversion dam. The Mountain West News Bureau's Caleb Bradle has more on why the tribe's fish passage project is more urgent than ever. Shiva Sundarasan is deputy director of the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service and attended the project's groundbreaking. He says dams aren't the only obstacles fish populations like kiwi and Lahontan cutthroat trout have to overcome. As climate changes in places, we're seeing uh, changes in snowpack, changes in the timing of when you have snow melt, changing water temperatures. All of that is definitely uh, affecting fish populations, fish habitat. He says that's why the Fish Passage Project at Numana Dam is one of dozens nationwide receiving federal funding. The more I think we can restore these ecosystems, allow fish to migrate up and down the streams, have habitat where they can find refuge when you know, water temperatures rise, the better we will be at, at, at protecting and restoring, conserving these fish populations. At the Pyramid Lake Paiute Reservation, the underwater ramp will allow up to 600,000 kiwi to swim over the diversion dam to new spawning grounds. Lisa Hakey is a Reno-based project leader with the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service. Historically, they move in large numbers at the same time and they back up behind this current design. Now with this uh, gradient structure downstream, it's designed specifically for kiwi swimming capacity and speed. She says when river flows go down this fall, construction of the ramp will speed up. The tribe is putting the project out for a construction bid and a third-party contractor will build it. Tribal Chairman Phoenix says the Pyramid Lake Paiute Tribe is excited to finally see shovels break ground on a decades-long effort to recover their native fish. 
it's historical, it's big for us, and it's part of our existence. You know, it signifies us as uh, Numu people here at the Pyramid Lake Bayou Tribe. He adds he's looking forward to the day when the Kuiwi population is big enough for tribal members to catch, fillet, and eat them once again. For National Native News, I'm Caleb Radel. I'm Jill Freitas. National Native News is produced by Kiwanak Broadcast Corporation with funding by the Corporation for Public Broadcasting. Support by BNSF Railway, proudly supporting the nation's economy by moving the goods that feed, supply, and power communities across the country. More at bnsf.com slash tribal relations. Support by the Indian Nation Conservation Alliance's three-day conference in Las Vegas starting October 24th. Ranchers, farmers, and conservationists will discuss achieving a sustainable future. Info at inca-tcd.org. Native Voice One, the Native American Radio Network. Now let's take a look at your local news. According to a news release from the Nevada County Sheriff's Office, two suspects were arrested last week after dozens of pieces of stolen mail were recovered in their car. While on patrol near Wolf Mountain Road in Grass Valley, a Nevada County Sheriff's deputy noticed a vehicle backed into a long, private driveway. The deputy spoke first to the driver, 25-year-old Haley Cohen of Penn Valley. She was found to have an active misdemeanor warrant and was in possession of a controlled substance and drug paraphernalia. Upon search of the vehicle, a bag of mail was located inside, none of which was addressed to Cohen or her passenger, 29-year-old Shane Sepulveda. There was also open mail containing birthday cards, checks, and personal identity information from several residences scattered around the front passenger seat area. The mail seems to be stolen from a myriad of Nevada County locations, including Shangri-La Lane, Running Springs Road, Thoroughbred Loop, Polaris Drive, American Ranch Drive, and Galaxy Way. Cohen and Sepulveda were arrested for mail and identity theft charges. Cohen is also charged with possession of a controlled substance and drug paraphernalia, along with a warrant for a failure to appear on prior drug charges. They're both booked into the Wayne Brown Correctional Facility in Nevada City. A new Sacramento Bee report on the state's wildfire season says that despite California's summer and early fall being relatively calm, Sacramento and the surrounding regions aren't fully out of the woods. According to the California Department of Forestry and Fire Protection, the number of acres burned so far this year is less than one-third of the five-year average. Experts attribute the drop to this year's historic winter storms and a record snowpack that soaked the state. But state fire officials say those atmospheric river storms also created ample new vegetation growth that can act as fuel. And with the help of gusty fall winds in the weeks ahead, wildfires could still ignite and grow through November and even into December. Quote, Now is not the time for people to let their guards down. We still have fire season ahead of us before we get into winter rains that would finally end it, 
says Brian Newman, Assistant Chief of CAL FIRE's Amador Eldorado Unit. Roughly 300,000 acres have burned so far this year in the state. That marks less than 30% of the five-year average, which is 1.2 million acres, for the same year-to-date period. However, according to officials, a normal number of new fires have ignited, but it's the moist landscape and cool nights that have kept them at bay. And climate models seen by Associate Professor of Climate Change Impacts at UC Davis Department of Land, Air, and Water Resources, Erwin Monier, make him predict that this upcoming year's combination of a strong El Nino and warmer ocean temperatures could lead to another wet year. Quote, This is most likely the configuration that will control California's climate this winter and will have implications for the next wildfire season. Because if we have another very wet winter, that means we'll have even more moisture that could again lead to mild fires next year. Cal Fire Assistant Chief Newman says there are other reasons apart from a potentially wet winter to be optimistic as well. The state has made gains conducting more prescribed burns to reduce fuel in forests and boasts new firefighting technology including nighttime firefighting aircraft and artificial intelligence tools. That said, Newman warns it's not enough for Californians to let their guard down when it comes to wildfires. He offers some advice that may be all too familiar for those living in wildfire-prone areas. Quote, We want to make sure people create defensible space, trim back their grass and brush, and things that can endanger their homes, especially in a year like this when there's been a lot of ability for those fuels to grow. This reported by the Sacramento Bee. Now let's take a look at your local forecast from the National Weather Service. For those in Grass Valley and Nevada City, tonight mostly clear with a low around 53 degrees. Tuesday, sunny with a high near 78. Tuesday night will be clear with a low around 55 degrees. In Truckee and Lake Tahoe, tonight cloudy during the early evening, then gradually clearing with a low around 37 degrees. Tuesday, sunny with a high near 70. Tuesday night will be clear with a low around 39 degrees. And in Sacramento and Woodland, tonight, mostly cloudy, then gradually becoming clear with a low around 57 degrees. Tuesday, sunny with a high near 85. Tuesday night will be clear with a low around 57 degrees. You're listening to the Evening News on KVMR. As I speak, Grass Valley City Council is meeting to discuss a draft expenditure plan for a potential new sales tax. For those who couldn't make the meeting, or if this is your first time hearing about it, KVMR News Director Claudio Mendoza joins us with an overview of what this sales tax would entail, and why there's a rush to get the measure before voters. According to the Union of Grass Valley, the Grass Valley City Council has scheduled a special meeting tonight at 6 p.m., to review and potentially approve a draft expenditure plan for a sales tax that would fund fire resiliency and vegetation management. The Grass Valley City Council has held several meetings, including a town hall meeting on October 3rd at Sierra College, to inform and gather input from citizens and local businesses regarding the extent and timing of this tax measure. At their most recent regular meeting on October 10th, The Grass Valley City Council considered waiting until the November 2024 primary election to bring the tax proposal before the voters, but decided instead to act now due to timing concerns. 
Mayor Jan Arbuckle pointed out that if it doesn't go through as a fiscal emergency, it could go on the November 2024 ballot, but we would lose an entire fire season. Her concern is that if voters approve the sales tax in November 2024, that it wouldn't go into effect until April 2025. The union article explains that the city must declare a fiscal emergency as a procedural step required by the state of California in order to put a proposal on the ballot in a non-election cycle. The city's not in any type of fiscal emergency, but in order to comply with the state regulations, we have to declare a fiscal emergency to get it on a March ballot because none of the city council runs in March on the March primary. Tim Kaiser, city manager for Grass Valley, says that the declaration of a fiscal emergency is necessary in order to get the issue on the March 2024 ballot. Quote, in our realm, it's not an emergency in our current fiscal budget. It relates to the tax that you're putting on. End quote. According to the staff report cited in the article, the request for fire personnel and land management to combat wildfires and extreme weather conditions would be more than the city can budget for at this time. If passed by the voters of Grass Valley, the proposed three-eighths percent tax would generate an estimated $2.5 million annually before sunsetting in seven years. Grass Valley City Manager Tim Kaiser says that at this time, city staff is proposing that half of the money be spent on vegetation management and half on fire resiliency. Vegetation management would include fuel reduction work, the awarding of grants for structure hardening, and the creation and funding of an education and inspection program. The fire resiliency component relates to fire department staffing, specifically to the hiring of more firefighters in order to bring Grass Valley closer to national standards by increasing the current minimum of two firefighters per engine to three per engine. The public is encouraged to attend tonight's meeting and review the details of the proposed general tax ordinance at the Grass Valley City Hall Council Chambers at 125 East Main Street in Grass Valley. For KVMR, I'm Claudio Mendonça. That's our newscast for Monday, October 16th. Listen to anything you may have missed at our website, kvmr.org, and connect with us on Facebook and Instagram. KVMR gets support from generous listeners like you and A to Z Hardware Supply and Garden Center, locally owned and operated by the Wheat family since 1984, offering construction and plumbing materials, lawn and garden supplies, and beekeeping and canning necessities. On Ridge Road, Grass Valley, A to Z Supply.com, and Weiss Landscaping, over 75 years of generational experience in landscape architecture design and installation. Weiss Landscaping crews are experienced and provide accountability on craftsmanship, installations, and irrigation projects. Go WeissLandscaping.com. Support for KVMR's Future of Radio project comes from AJA Video Systems, empowering the next generation of local journalists and broadcasters. The KVMR Evening News is produced by KVMR News Director Claudio Mendonca. As always, thanks for tuning in. I'm Kelly Reese, signing off. Join us Tuesday at 6 for another edition of the KVMR Evening News.